From APM Reports, this is the Educate Podcast, a collaboration with the Heckinger Report. I'm Stephen Smith. Good afternoon. Today, we are gathered here to celebrate the class of 2017. That's Daniel Anoa. He's giving a speech at Match High School, a charter school in Boston where most of the kids are from low-income families. Today is Senior Signing Day. Every graduating senior declares where they're going to college next year something that is central to Match's philosophy. Well, they're very, very clear about one thing. These kids are going to college. Liz Willen is editor-in-chief at our partner, The Heckinger Report. She was at Senior Signing Day because she's been following the senior class at Match since the beginning of the school year. She says the day was like a giant pep rally for graduating seniors. It's become a ritual at many charter schools across the country, and I think it's because it's, it's such a visual and visceral moment. Each kid puts their picture of their baby picture goes up on a giant screen behind the wall. The guidance counselors talk a little bit about each student and what their contribution has been. She is known for her extraness, dominating the court, loudly sitting in the hallway, and for being competitive, lovable, argumentative, and a student leader. And then the kids hide these sweatshirts underneath their chairs that have the uh, logo emblazoned on it of where they're going to choose. And when they put on that sweatshirt and pick it up and hold it into the air. Due to her love of basketball, Michaela will be attending Salem State University! There is screaming and cheering. And it's a great day. Um, The guidance counselor told me it was her favorite day of the year. It's a day when they celebrate that something gigantic has happened to these families. Their kids are going to college. Nearly 9 in 10 students who graduate from Match go on to four-year colleges. That's a big deal because kids from the poorest families are much less likely than wealthier kids to do that. I talked to Liz about what Match is doing differently. From the minute they enter that high school, these students are matched with tutors, individual tutors who help them all the way through. So if they're having a weakness in a topic like math, they get a lot of extra help. The work is hard. They need to be ready. And the whole goal is get these kids to college. They work hard and dream big. Daniel Anoa, the student we heard from at the beginning of the episode, his dream was Harvard. The sticker price scared him off at first. Tuition, room and board is more than $70,000 a year. Cost is a big concern for the kids at Match. What if they get into their dream school only to find that there's no way they can afford it? But Match helped Daniel understand that a lot of colleges are courting talented, low-income students like him. There was a moment where I learned that the schools have money to give you, and they're going to help you out if they accept you. And I really, like, I really thought about that, and I'm like, oh, let me apply there, because I think that's the best chance I have. Daniel did not get into Harvard, but he did get some other great offers. He ended up having two fantastic choices. He got a full ride to both Dartmouth and Williams in Massachusetts. Wow. And Williams, uh, just for context, I mean, Williams is, what, the most, generally the most, or one of the two most selective small colleges in the country. And Dartmouth, of course, is an Ivy League school. Those are hard places to get into. They are so hard to get into. And it was really hard decision, though, for Daniel. He had loved Williams, and he felt that they had really made him feel welcome. Now, we hear a lot about superstar, low-income students like Daniel who get full scholarships to prestigious, wealthy colleges. 
But the reality is most colleges don't offer low-income students enough scholarship money. A lot of colleges give lip service to this idea that they want more low-income minority students, and they're trying their best to have a more diverse class, and they're recruiting these students from all over the country. But when it comes down to it, the full rides really only go to a handful. So a lot of times these decisions actually come down to how much more money, how many loans will I have to take out, what is it a reasonable amount of debt to go into, and what is the real cost of a college education. And every single one of these kids and families, even those who have hugely generous scholarships, are frightened. They're afraid of going into debt, any debt, because they're not sure, frankly, if the whole college thing will actually pay off. College is expensive. Costs have risen more than 60% since 2006. And every student and family has to consider how much debt they're willing to take on. But here's the thing. Low-income students and their families are asked to take more risk. A report by the Education Trust shows that after taking financial aid into account, low-income students must pay, on average, more than three-quarters of their annual family income to attend a four-year school. That is nearly five times the proportion wealthier families pay. At one point, I was like, do I really want to go to college? (laughs) Yeah, but I pulled through and got it done. Anudi Polanco, he's a great student. He's the oldest of four. He's got a, a baby sister who's only six months old. His mother's a single mom who's a nursing assistant. Anudi is a more typical story. A great student, but not a superstar likely to be wooed by fancy schools with lots of money like Daniel. Still, he worked really hard to get into a great college. Liz Willen met Anudi at the beginning of the year. He was juggling baseball training this year. He worked as a cashier at TJ Maxx. This kid was so tired. Um, When I saw him a couple of times during the year, it was touch and go. He was falling asleep in classes. He was late on his essays. Uh, He was struggling to keep up with all of the deadlines. Um, And he said that if match had ended at 2 o'clock instead of at 4 every day, he promised he'd have straight A's. And as it turned out, he ended up with some really interesting college choices once he actually made his deadlines. What were the Well, he got into a bunch of schools, but it ultimately came down to UMass Lowell versus UMass Amherst. And what was so touching about that story was his mother, who, as I mentioned, is uh, studying to be a nurse and is a nursing assistant, has a new baby at home, really wanted him to go to the flagship school, UMass Amherst. Because I have a few friends, their kids went to that school and then told me it's a good school. Her name is Siani Nova. She herself had come from the Dominican Republic at the age of 20. She had never gotten um, a college education herself. I feel like, you know, when I came here 20 years ago, like, with nothing by myself, without my family, without everybody, I threw for a hard, hard time. She struggled. She lives in public housing, and she wants the best for her son, Anudi, and she didn't care how much extra it was going to cost. Anudi, on the other hand, was worried about the financial burden on his family. UMass Lowell offered him enough scholarship money so that his out-of-pocket costs would total about $7,600 a year. UMass Amherst is the state's flagship public university, more prestigious and more expensive. At UMass Amherst, after financial aid, Anudi would have to pay almost $13,000 a year. And $5,000 more a year is big for Anudi and his single mom. I just don't want to have a lot of debt, and I don't want to put any more debt into my mom, If, um, especially because I have three other more little siblings that she has to take care of, so that's going to be a big one. And what did he choose? So on Friday, he, as his baby picture flashed up against the screen, I'm 
Nudie's uh, held aloft his sweatshirt emblazoned with the Minutemen, which is the logo of UMass Amherst. And he's really excited to attend UMass and everyone screamed. It felt a lot more like a pep rally. So she has decided that the extra costs are going to be absolutely worth it because he's so excited about his choice, and so therefore his mom is as well. By now seeing him finish high school, I'm so proud of him. And I hope he finished college too. Does it look like uh, Anuti is and his family are being set up for something that's going to be difficult for them to achieve. It will be difficult, but Anuti said he's going to get a job. He did work during high school at TJ Maxx, and his mother basically announced after the signing ceremony she was really happy. She was practically in tears, but she did say when I asked how they were going to pay for it, well, I need to work hard and no vacation, no fun time, and save money. Well, does that then call into question the sort of principle or the project of this match charter school to begin with? Because if you're training all these kids and you're working hard to get all these kids into college and then, you know, the colleges are not affordable, what's the point? Well, you have to understand that there is more than just going to a prestigious college at stake here. Most of these kids are first in their family to go to college. And I will tell you, at signing day, the screams were just as loud for the student who announced he was going to Bunker Hill Community College and then going to be transferring to Bridgewater State after two years. Miguel is excited to start a community college and then transfer to... Bridgewater State University... That was celebrated as a victory just as much. So this isn't just about how much money you got and where you got in, although that certainly informs a lot of the choices. But the whole purpose of a school like Match is to encourage students, tutor them, help them all along the way with individual personalized plans that identify their weaknesses and their strengths and get them to be the best they can be and to graduate from college. And oftentimes these are students who would not have had those opportunities. Also, you have to remember that in large public high schools, the guidance counselors are often overwhelmed and don't have the kind of time to spend that Match has spent with these kids. They've had courses on college prep. They've had um, volunteers come in from nonprofit organizations that work with finances to guide these kids through the tax forms and through filling out their scholarship forms and their deadlines and keeping on top of them and talking to the parents whose language at home is often not English. So there's a lot more than goes into this than just trying to get kid into a school that will give them a lot of money. College is likely to be a very good bet for these kids, even if they do have to take on debt. Research shows people with college degrees have higher earnings, higher employment rates, and even healthier lives than the people who don't get degrees. But for the kids at Match, there's a lot more than money to think about when deciding what college to go to. Where will they feel the most comfortable? Where will they fit in the best? I got accepted to like five schools out of my 16 schools. Daniel Enoa is the one who got full rides at both Williams and Dartmouth. He was particularly happy about Williams for a very funny reason, which I'll tell you a little bit more about. So Daniel went up to Williams, and they have a a barber named Dwayne who's black and who's on campus, and he does a great job with the kind of hair Daniel has, which is a sort of an interesting, kinky do that he wears. He's extremely particular about his hair. And he was very happy to know that when if he went to Williams, there was somebody who was familiar with cutting his type of hair. When I first talked to him a few 
few months ago, he hadn't seen Dartmouth yet, and he was terrified of going to Hanover because he thought, you know, I'm probably going to choose Williams because I know at least that my hair will look good. And I think that was more symbolic because he also spent some time on the um, listservs and welcomes and Facebook pages at various schools. And when he chatted, um, Facebook chatted with some of the students from Dartmouth, there are a lot of them who were making comments that made him feel like he was in another league or that as if he was not part of an elite world that that they all were very much belonging to. And so what did he decide? Well, then he went to Dartmouth for the first time, thinking all in his mind that he was probably going to go to Williams. And then he walked down this campus and he saw these beautiful white buildings with green shutters. It's beautiful. Like, there's nothing else you would want from a school. Like, it's Dartmouth. So I I just met some friends and I kind I think I stayed up to like four with them the first night. And he felt remarkably comfortable. He sat in on a bunch of classes. He walked around. He didn't find a place to get a haircut, but he was so enamored with the beauty and the peace of the place and its reputation as an Ivy League school. He just sat there and he said to himself, you know what? I'm going to do this. So he said it was a hard decision, but he came back feeling like, I'm going to go to Dartmouth. I'm going to give this a chance. I have been given the opportunity of a lifetime. Match High School in Boston has been around since 2004. 89% of its graduates have gone on to four-year colleges. But getting to college is one thing, graduating is another. Match has followed its students through college and finds that only 51% end up completing degrees from four-year colleges. Other charter school networks focused on getting low-income students to college have experienced similar challenges. Our correspondent Emily Hanford spent some time at the Yes Prep charter schools in Texas back in 2012. Virtually all of the students were going on to college, but four years later, only 40% of them had degrees. Money often had something to do with it, but when Yes surveyed their graduates, they realized money wasn't the whole story. Something else was going on. It prompted them to begin investigating the nature of persistence. Here is an excerpt from our 2012 documentary, Grit, Luck, and Money, Preparing Kids for College and Getting Them Through. Why do some people quit when faced with an obstacle while others keep going? This is the question Yes is asking. To try to answer it, they turn to a psychology professor at the University of Pennsylvania named Angela Duckworth. She studies a personality trait she calls grit. Grit is sticking with things over the very long term until you master them. Duckworth also uses words like tenacity, persistence, and pluck. She got interested in grit when she was a middle school math teacher. She noticed that some of her students would try really hard to solve challenging math problems, and others would give up. And it wasn't necessarily the smartest kids who were digging into the hardest problems. Turns out psychology research backs up this observation. Whether you stay in the game or don't stay in the game isn't necessarily a function of how well you play that game or improve in that game. It's, it's something else. Duckworth believes that something else is grit. She's developed a test to measure grit, where you rate yourself on a series of 12 items from setbacks don't discourage me to I have achieved a goal that took years of work. It's entirely self-reported, so you could game the test. And yet what Duckworth has found is that a person's grit score is highly predictive of achievement under challenging circumstances. Take this example. 
Cadets at the elite U.S. Military Academy, West Point, go through a grueling summer training program known as Beast Barracks. Before they start, the military puts them through all kinds of academic, physical, and psychological testing. One summer, Angela Duckworth slipped her grit test into the mix. What she found is that grit, more than anything else, predicted who would make it through Beast Barracks. Grit mattered more than physical fitness or intelligence. Now Duckworth and a team of colleagues are turning their attention to college completion. Are grittier students more likely to make it through college? Duckworth's research subjects are students at Yes Prep and other high-performing urban charter schools. Why are these charter schools so successful at raising the achievement of their students while they are in the school, but somewhat less successful in these students being independent, college-graduating young adults later on? Duckworth doesn't know, but she has a hypothesis. She thinks charter schools like Yes might be helping their students too much. These schools are racing against the clock to make up time for kids in terms of their skills. So I think one of the reasons why there's a triage mentality of sort of like don't let any child fail, you know, double the instructional time is because they're trying to close the skill gap. But while rushing to close the skill gap in terms of the academic skills, are we not allowing for that natural kind of, you know, independence and autonomy that only happens when people let you face your own failures. In the time since we produced that documentary, Angela Duckworth has written a book about grit, and Emily Hanford has written an op-ed with some of her thoughts on grit and how it's important to recognize that people who are successful in school and in life have more than just grit on their side. They often have all kinds of other advantages, too. You can find Emily's op-ed and listen to the entire documentary about Yes Prep at our website, educatepodcast.org. You can also read Liz Willen's series on the students at Match High School in Boston. Many thanks to Kirk Carapeza, higher education reporter at WGBH in Boston, for sharing some of his recordings of Match students with us. We'll have a link to Kirk's radio reporting on our website as well. That's educatepodcast.org. We'd love to hear from you. You can tell us what you think of this podcast. And if you're a fan, please tell a friend or colleague about it. And if you write a review on iTunes, that also helps other people find us. If you're not yet a subscriber to this podcast, you can sign up on the iTunes page or through our website. You'll get a new episode of Educate every two weeks. That's it for this episode. Educate is produced by Suzanne Pico, edited by Chris Julin, and Emily Hanford is our senior producer. Thanks to our partner, The Heckinger Report, a nonprofit independent news organization focused on inequality and innovation in education. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM.